step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. It's Thursday morning. It's the 4th of June, 2020. And it's kind of like we're in the twilight zone. I feel somehow like I'm in the twilight zone. I feel as if... I'm not sure that, pinch me. I feel as if I'm not in America. I feel as if I'm watching stuff from afar, that these events that I have seen in the last 10 days are in fact not happening. And I kid you not, just before I went on air, uh, CNN is reporting that a similar incident that happened to George Floyd took place in Sarasota, Florida in May. That man survived, though, that the police, the police say they were called to a domestic violence incident, and they restrained the man by placing their knee on his neck, but he lived to tell the story. And I feel like something is very wrong with the way in which we're conducting policing. There's nothing wrong with the police being called to incidents of violence. I myself have called the police on my ex-husband because it was the only way I was going to live. So don't get me wrong that calling the police is a necessary tactic. That's what they're there for. They're there to protect and serve. But at the same time, we want it to be done with regards to the personal civil liberties. We want it to be done in an atmosphere where the people don't feel as if their lives are threatened. And as soon as we start talking, I have a caller uh, who is going to give us something. So let me introduce this caller. I can, I can uh, get to you in just a moment. Uh, so now that we've done all the protesting, where's all the change going to come from? The entire country has ignited over the death of George Floyd, an African-American Minneapolis resident who died after a white police officer knelt on his neck for almost 10 minutes. We're still breathing. We still can't breathe. In every state, Protesters have taken to the streets. All 50 states have had protests in the last 10 days. Last night, it was remarkable. Marching and demanding that those in power hold the officer and all others like him who unlawfully killed black people justly responsible. But the radio silence from lawmakers instead shows their hesitance to bring about sweeping reform. What are we as a people supposed to do moving forward? Without the legislative alterations that are necessary to defund the militarization of police, how will we enact any substantial change? So I have a caller. I'm going to ask him to weigh in on this. Hey, caller number one, thank you so much for chiming in. Tell us how you feel about this. Uh, I'm, I'm going. Uh, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, peace, love, and black power. Black power for all our people. Right. Okay, so you're going to say black power and peace. That's what you're going to say. Well, no, that's my introduction into the show. That's what I'm Ah. saying as it relates to that, because you just Mm -hmm. opened my line. I don't think I was actually in queue to ask a question. So then, therefore, since you introduced me, I'm going to just basically open up 
to your platform that is discussion discussing a black topic um, uh-huh. with, like I said, me being prideful and me because a lot of times that's what's our issue. Our issue as black people, we are, you know, afraid to embrace who we are. You understand? That's what it has always been. We'd rather be Christians. We'd rather be Muslims. We'd rather be Jews. We'd rather be everything outside of what the creator created us in. So, therefore, because we've tried to squander who we truly are, we tried to squander our way out of, you know, um, maintaining the responsibility of cleaning up that work. Now we are still left with situations like this George Floyd situation, which George Floyd is, you know, He's only just one out of the how many uh, situations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it, it, it's a discussion that I, I'm pretty sure that uh, you guys or we all will be speaking about for, for a while now. All right. Well, thank you so much for your contribution. We appreciate it. Keep listening and tell others. Uh, the caller is right. This this is a discussion that is going to continue moving forward. I mean, think about it. Just yesterday, uh, we caught one of our favorite football players. He was one of my favorite football players, Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. Anybody know him? Man, I used to love that guy. And uh, he said something that is highly inflammatory and insensitive at a time like this. Now, this is the New Orleans Saints who won the Super Bowl with Drew Brees as a quarterback with a lot of black players. And there are still a lot of black players on his football team. And yet he said yesterday in front of the whole world on an interview with Yahoo News that he will never support anybody who doesn't kneel for the American flag and his grandfather's fought in two world wars. And the rest of us are like, excuse me? We all have family members who fought in world wars. I mean, when white folks say things like that, as if theirs are the only grandparents worth noting and note-taking, and theirs are the only grandparents who have a history and who have a legacy of having grandparents who have fought in World Wars. Might I take the time to remind you that black Americans fought in World War I and World War II and returned to a country where they could not even use the same bathroom, they could not sit at the same fountain as their white counterparts, yet when they were fighting in wars in Europe, they were considered Americans. Come on now. So cut this foolishness out that only I have grandparents who fought in the World War. I think that's what got all of us in sense. Like, how dare you say that? When we all have black relatives, we all have relatives who have PTSDs from fighting in America's wars. My brother has PTSD from fighting for, he was a Gulf War twice over, both in 91 and again in the most recent Gulf War. He has what we call Sandman disease. His lungs are filled with sand, and you have the nerve to make it sound like yours are the only relatives who have ever fought in war. I still have relatives who are deployed. So cut this phony white privilege foolishness out as if you did, your ancestors did not hand over power to you after they conquered black people and had black people human traffic from Africa to here. That's the fact. And let us just come to that place. I think that one of the best ways to move forward is to accept where we are today. What got us here today? Somebody said on CNN last night, I think it was Chris Como, he said that the majority 
and he's talking about white people who are in power, white people who control and le- control legislation, white people who control corporations. He said the majority like that, like black people who are passive. He said it. He said they like when black people are passive. Keep the black people. Those were his exact words. He was paraphrasing. Keep the black people in a group where they're passive. Don't demonstrate. Don't walk. Don't talk. Don't do anything. That just tells you the mindset of people. And he said it best. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better than he said it, right? So when it comes to who has rights to be here, I think we're all getting a little bit put off. We're not offended. No, 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 no. This is not offended. We are demanding our piece of the pie because we earned it just like you did. If you earned your privilege because your grandfather's fought in world wars, well, so did ours. If you earned your privilege because your grandmothers cooked and baked and made all kinds of things for World War II to continue, so did ours. They cleaned floors, they mopped floors, they delivered paper, they cooked and cleaned their way out and washed your all dirty clothes by hand before washing machines were invented. So don't let me get started. So let us just accept that we all have a piece of the pie. Let us accept. That's the problem. The problem when people sit back and say, well, I am American because my family fought in two world wars. Well, hello. Look over here, buddy. I have family still deployed. So tell me again. I have family who are still what is considered active duty military. So tell me again. Right? And so when you look at the way forward, it seems to me one of the best ways that we're going to move forward is by acknowledging that racial inequality and racial injustice exist. I am disappointed in Drew Brees, but not surprised. He's a white man. He can sit in his position and say, well, he honors the flag. We all do. But the flag doesn't just stand for you. The flag stands for us. The same freedom that you claim you have a liber- and liberty that you have, my ancestors fought for it just like yours. Do you see what I'm saying? And that has to be the way forward. We need to stop this phony ass white privilege. Yes, I said it. It's phony because you only have it because you conquered. You don't have it because you earned it. You have it because your ancestors beat people whom they human trafficked and then took it by force. So you don't really have privilege at all. And I guess what is alarming is the fact that people are protesting. I look in the crowds. Those are not all black people. Those look like a, it, it, it's a motley crew of people. It's a united nations of people. They are black kids and white kids. They are white high school kids and white college kids who are home on summer break who are saying enough of this. Look, get to the place where we understand that our time on the earth is but a vapor. We're going to pass something on to the next generation. And the next generation have to learn to cohabit in this space. We can't keep doing what our ancestors did and expect that they are going to have the same results. It's not happening. And that's what we are reaping today. What you're seeing today, what you saw yesterday in Washington, D.C., I never thought in a million years I would ever see people so many people on the streets of Washington, D.C. I mean, we've all seen marches in Washington. They have the Million Men March. They've had women marching. I never thought I would see so many million people 
marching in Washington for nine straight days. That is telling something. Urge politicians to take note because those same people who are marching, those who can vote, they're going to vote. And they have a message, and the message is enough is enough. We have stacked the deck too differently in America, where the same people who fought side by side, who worked in the cotton fields, who worked in industry to make this country great, they're not being given a piece of the pie. We're not getting a piece of the pie. Now, especially now, they're calling curfews all over the country in cities across the country. And let me just ask you something. Who is working in the service jobs where they get off after 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock and so on? It's not white people because white privilege affords white people the privilege of finishing work at 5 o'clock and 6 o'clock, being home before 7 so they can have dinner, watch the evening news, and commiserate with one another. Whereas black and brown people are working service jobs, getting off the subways that were blocked by the NYPD a couple nights ago in New York, and can't get home and are being beaten and tear gassed in response. We gotta stop this. It's almost as if the police are more powerful than the politicians. The politicians who were voted in by the people and given the power to legislate, to create legislation that benefits all citizens, it's almost as if the police have taken over. Why are the police beating people, tear gassing people, and feeling that they have no regard? They are not going to be tried. They're never going to be tried for murder. They're never going to be tried for anything. This has got to stop. I've often lauded the Detroit Police Department, and then they let me down. I've often said that if you want to see policing come to Detroit, here in Detroit, they have a structured system. They have a neighborhood police officer. So a neighborhood police officer is assigned to a certain group. So if you have issues, you call 911 or so on. Eventually, those calls get referred to the neighborhood police officer who eventually will show up and say, hey, I'm the guy, you know, kind of around here. If you have any issues, call me. If you see something, know something kind of thing, right? We th- I thought that was working beautifully until I saw where one police officer uh, uh, hit a journalist and tear gas journalist at uh, demonstrations in Detroit on Sunday night. I was appalled. I couldn't believe something like that. There were people coming from out of state and out of town who were part of the Detroit uh, uh, situation, and they caused the insurrection. Detroiters were peacefully marching because we have a relationship with the police, right? With, a, with our police. But other people came in and made it bad. No, they need to be disciplined and attritioned out because they were just insurrectionists and inciting violence. But when you look at the police in general in this country, when you look at how policing is done, I'm afraid it's biased against people of color. I'm afraid that as a person of color, I am terrified of the police. And I'm admitting that on, on radio. I'm admitting that in a public forum. I in my skin, I am terrified of the police. I am terrified that if I speak out and say something, there will be reprisals. I'm terrified that if I tweet or comment on something, the police will uh, come at me with retribution. I'm terrified that if I'm driving down the street, I'm going to be pulled over and I am going to not going to be given the benefit of the doubt. I am going to end up in handcuffs and thrown in jail or worse yet, they put a neck on my knee. I am terrified of the police. Does this mean I live in a police state? I guess. Because if I'm terrified of the police, more terrified of the police than I should be of the power of the governor, of the power of the lieutenant governor, of the power of the mayor, 
of the power of the president, I am more terrified of the police than I am of the federal government. Something is wrong with that picture. And I suspect that a lot of us as people of color are are just terrified. It, it explains why after Trayvon Martin, we kind of just, they intimidated the Black Lives Matter into non-existence. They killed some leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement. They paid the ultimate price with their lives. And now, here we are talking about it, and Drew Brees said uh, he will never agree with anybody who knelt. Colin Kaepernick tried to do it peacefully, and no one listened. He was fired. He didn't disrespect the flag. It had nothing to do with the flag. He just said, I'm kneeling today because of police brutality. He took a knee, and Drew Brees has some issues with that. Like, his grandfathers were the only grandfathers who fought. I, I kid you not. He's lost me as a supporter, and the New Orleans Saints have lost me as a supporter. And, I, I, frankly, I was going to wear one of their shirts um, during games this year. No, nah, I'm done with that. They're not going to get my support, not vocally, not in any other way. I'm done with that. I'm going to stick with my Detroit Lions. Yeah, I'm going to wear some blue with Detroit Lions right across my chest. I'm done with that. At least they're a hometown. <laughs> at least they're here. And at least we know how they think because, you know, the blue oval is right around the corner, right? The blue oval provides jobs around here, the Ford company who owns the Detroit Lions. So when you look at the way forward, Barack Obama made some suggestions yesterday, President Barack Obama. He's not the sitting president, but he had to, there was a vacuum left, and he stepped right in and he said, here are some ideas. Here are my ideas. He didn't say you have to follow them, but he did say something. He said, mayors across the country, I urge you to do reforms of use of force policies in your jurisdiction. And I said, so all along, we've been wondering who is in charge of the police and who allows the police to function. I know we find out it's the mayor. Are you shocked? I am. Now, typically how it's structured is that there is an oversight board, the Board of Police Commissioners, but that's usually made up of citizens, some of whom are elected, and that's made up of you and I as regular citizens. You can go in and hear uh, what the police have to say. Here in Detroit, the current police chief is good at that. He, you go in, you can ask questions, you can you know, ask for clarification and clarity on issues, and they will tell you the truth. They'll say, hey, we messed up. The, the chief of police here in Detroit, they'll tell you straightforward. Hey, we messed up. We didn't do a good job. We could have done better. Give me a chance. I'll try to fix it. You see what I mean? That's what we want. We don't want to see images of people being tear gassed and journalists being pelted by rubber bullets. If we don't allow the First Amendment to prevail, then what are we? America, come on. We are supposed to be the city on a hill. We are supposed to be the hope of the world. If we can't get it right, then who will? What next? If America is fracturing and we're in shambles right now, our integrity is shot. We look like fools to the world because we are busy telling other people all over the world to defend their rights while right here in American streets, American citizens are being terrorized. If we can't get it right, then who will? This country offered me a promise of freedom and liberty and justice. I took it as that. It was the city on a hill for me. I ran here and got justice. 
what's going on with that? What happened here? How did we lose it? Between the time I came here and now, how did, where did it go? Did we lose it? Did we forget that this is what we stood for? I think we all need to go back, slap back to the beginning and understand why we are who we are. Do you know that in places of conflict around the world, when American soldiers used to show up, they were greeted with cheers because liberty had come? What happened? What happened, buddy? What's going on? Did you know that? Did you know that American soldiers in places of conflict in the world, this is what my brother told me, that in some places where they went, American soldiers would take their own paychecks and run whole communities. And would be so grateful that their families back home were safe. They would help other families in conflict-torn areas. What happened to that America? What happened to the America that gave me the promise that if I stood my ground and if I believed that I could set up a foundation and open a shelter for human trafficking victims? I didn't need to be famous. I didn't need to be well-known. I didn't need to have a lot of money. I just needed to believe where did that America go? Where is the way forward? For folks like me, where is the way forward for people who are looking to America for leadership? Where is the way forward for people who need relief from the violence that is in their communities? And now, here we are in America, we're experiencing the same thing. Tear gassing is a wartime method that is not allowed in war anywhere in the world, but it's allowed on American streets. The mayors of this country, you are at fault. It's your responsibility to evoke the change. Now, will you have the balls to do it? That's a whole other story for a whole other day. I don't think so, because maybe you depend on the police to have you elected, because the police is a powerful voting block, not just for mayoral elections, but for all elections. And so consequently, the police get away with doing what they want. We have to have oversight. We have to be able to police effectively. Here in Detroit, I keep using them as an analogy, the, the, the Detroit police chief has a belief that police officers should come from the community, that if they come from the community, there'll be a greater level of empathy that the police has towards the people whom they invariably have to police, right? Now, let me make this very clear that there are clear barriers and boundaries here. People who break the law, people who believe that human life is not valuable, criminals who like to murder and pillage, criminals who like to rape people, criminals who like to rob people, criminals who feel that they should walk around and fire guns, those people need to feel the full brunt of the police. They need to be locked away. Some of these people even have mental health issues that is undiagnosed. It's not my problem, and neither should it be your problem. Those people need to be disposed of. But when you look at protesters, people who are practicing their First Amendment, who are just walking down the street, who are probably caught up in a protest because they're on their way home from work and find themselves now a hashtag trending on Twitter and is in a video that is viewed more than 840,000 times, that is crazy. We, we can't just, we've lost it. It needs to come back to normal. Now I'm beginning to wonder if this specific use of force where police can restrain you and, and put their knee on your neck is something that is blanket throughout the country. I had read earlier this week that it's a particular tool that the police do not use anymore. 
and haven't used and is not allowed in many police precincts across the country. But, dude, it's happening everywhere I look. So what is our way forward? What are we going to do now that we have protested, we have marched? If we didn't march and we didn't protest, we would never have gotten a second-degree murder charge. We would have never gotten the other officers charged. If we had just sat back and said, oh, well, nothing would have changed. As President Obama said yesterday, that this country was founded on protest. It's called the American Revolution. That's how it started. The Boston Tea Party, isn't that what started the American Revolution? Every significant change we have had done has come through protest. It is the American way. In fact, isn't that what we have told the rest of the world? That instead of picking up guns and firing, that you should march and you should let your legislators know that this is what it is? So I'm urging everybody, now we have marched, pick up the phone and let your legislators know this is not good enough. Also donate to those uh, organizations that are providing relief to victims of violence, that are providing relief to protesters, that are making a difference right where they are. And I am urging corporate America to change your hiring policies. Corporate America is just as guilty. They may never have picked up a gun, but corporate America is just as guilty. Corporate America has ridiculous hiring practices that do not favor people of color, regardless of your qualifications. Corporate America is responsible for lending practices that specifically polarizes and marginalizes communities of color. They need to change that. I'm amazed that corporate, some companies in corporate America are coming out and saying we stand for racial equality and we stand against injustice. And I'm like, speak some truth here so I can believe you. Because you intimidate people of color. There are more white people in corporate bedrooms and in, in corporate boardrooms than there are black people. Let us be clear. Many of you are saying that, uh, well, we have diversity and inclusion. Yeah, headed by a person of color, but, and you do run a sensitivity training, but does that help anybody? Do you end up hiring more people? At the end of the day, do you hire more people? Let us just be clear. What we want is for you to hire people based on their qualifications, not based on their color. I look at black in tech. They had to form a whole group for themselves in Silicon Valley because they never got funding, but everybody else got funding. There are not that many black people who work in tech compared to the number who exist. There are not that many black prosecutors and judges compared to the number who have gone to law school, graduated from law school, and who are practicing attorneys. Let us be clear. So corporate America is just as guilty of rapacious practices as the rest of the society. So on one hand, we have the legislative branch. We have the, 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 the politicians who are supposed to create meaningful, effective legislation. And somehow they're derelict in their duty because we have this militarization of the police and we have people who are, breathing, who are dying in the street saying, I can't breathe. Something is wrong. Then on the other hand, you have corporate America, who still enforces this white is right. If you're white and you apply for a job, you're almost a shoo-in. When you do, you, the few white people who ever complain is because they're so accustomed to getting what they want, they never do. 
there's polarization in education. Black school districts across the country are always the first to be cut out of budgets. Here in Michigan, we saw that under Governor Rick Snyder, who was a white Republican male. He defunded Detroit Public Schools. He defunded Muskegon. He defunded every school district that he could think of. Any predominantly black school district was defunded and sent under an emergency. It's almost as if he hated black people. These are the same people who come out and say, I have a black friend. Anytime somebody has to come out and tell you they have a black friend, just they are what they are. And when those of us who are black speak out, we're polarized and marginalized. Why is it not enough that I am black and I speak out and have an opinion? Remember Jamel Hill? Jamel Hill posted something on Twitter and she was fired from ESPN. Why? Her job was taken over by a white girl. Then they hired, when it didn't want it to look too bad, they hired a group of other people to make it seem like they weren't doing that. But why was she fired by ESPN for speaking out? Tell me. That is racial inequality. And it's for somebody like Drew Brees who has benefited from the white privilege that is accorded to him based on his color alone, not talent, just based on his color, he should have a better outlook and he should be a little bit more informed. You know, they say being ignorant is just means, just means that you're not informed at all. The more informed you are is the less ignorant you're going to appear to be. How could he be so ignorant in the face of the injustice that he knows that black players on his team, when they leave playing and they leave working out at night, once they get in their cars, they're a moving target for the police to pull them over. He knows that for a fact because I'm sure he has gotten phone calls and has made phone calls to police departments to drop charges and to do away with a lot of foolishness. How could he make such a statement? Because, again, they don't really see us. We really don't exist. It's almost as if America has an affair with saying we're equal, but you really aren't because you don't see us unheard and unseen. Black people in America are not seen and are not heard. And when we do speak up, we're rebellious, we are anti-establishment, and it's time for the police to come and put the cuffs on because we're just speaking out against injustice. When I tell you that as a person of color, I am terrified of the police, take it as with a grain of salt. And if we don't have significant reform that addresses the inequities and the injustices in our system, I'm afraid this is going to go on and on, and there will be another hashtag. Right now, there is one. David McAtee was killed on Monday in Louisville by, by Louisville police officers. How? in the midst of the George Floyd protest. It's still happening. It's almost as if they're throwing it in our faces like you can't do anything about it. I often wonder, how do black police officers feel? How do they feel when you are working with people whom you know are racist to the core and hate the very existence of people who look like you? How do they feel? So what do we do going forward? We can have as many forums as possible 
and open as much dialogue as possible, the fact of the matter is that this requires legislation. Until we start suing police departments for killing unarmed people and unarmed black people, it's not going to stop. And those payments are coming out of the, the, the city budget. What if, it's the, what if the police officer himself has to pay for it? What if the officer involved has to pay for it? Like in the case of Minneapolis right now, what if Derek Chauvin, Officer Derek Chauvin, has to pay to George Floyd's family for killing him? It would be a whole different case. It would be a whole different scenario. So now we need to look at legislation that holds the person involved accountable, not the entire department. The department is responsible for not training him, but the person who did it needs to be held accountable, and they need to pay, whether they lose their pension or they lose whatever it is benefits they have. Because too often, police officers walk away, they go work in another department, in another county, and nothing happens. They just walk away like you didn't just kill a whole person. I'm going to insert myself into the story right now. If, if, I, if, if, if that were to be my story and I end up being a trending hashtag on Twitter or something like that, my, whole, my family, my children, would be robbed of my existence, right? They would be robbed of whatever contribution I would make to their lives, right? Okay, so who, who are they going to sue? Knowing my children, they're going to sue everybody they can lay a hand on, and they're going to win too, right? And if that is the case, then what about the officer who is involved? He should be sued. He needs to pay up. If he has a house, he needs to lose it. If he has a car, he needs to lose everything in much the same way that my children will lose my contribution to their lifestyle. We have to look at this as a way forward. We have to hold the people who cause these things, we have to hold them accountable from the top right on down. And right now, as President Obama said yesterday, the mayors need to do a job of reforming their use of force policies in their community to amend it so much so that the police are retrained to know that they can't do this. As the governor of Michigan said yesterday, she's requiring that all police precincts, all police jurisdictions should now be subjected to de-escalation training. And I'm sitting there like, ha, 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 finally. Because you can never know what it is like as a black person. And, as you know, everybody who is white is saying, I will never know, as if you're throwing it back at us. We know you will never know. That's why we're doing what we're doing, to bring attention to it, so you know that it's systemic and institutionalized, and it has to stop. And yet we are angry because we are being treated like animals in the street, as if our ancestors and us have never contributed anything to the fabric and tapestry of American life and American society. I'm sick and tired of the way black people are portrayed in music and film and portrayed in the society as if we're losers and we have not made a contribution to this country. I'm sick of it. That's the continued stereotyping that persuades and moves people to not hire black people and moves the police to think that they're getting rid of another scourge on society instead of somebody who has contributed. We have systemic institutionalized racism that has prevented generations of people from accessing healthcare and education so they can improve their lives. Instead, we built prisons to shove people off into prisons because we thought that that would answer the problem of crime. No, who created the crime? 
The crime was created when they couldn't get a job. The crime was created when they had to find other ways to make money to buy milk for their children and buy diapers for their children. That's the crime. Yet, we pontificate and tell the rest of the world how good we are. Meanwhile, we have this rotting that was already taking place within our society. And now it's out there for the whole world to see. The whole world is looking at us like, wow, is this America? I am wondering too. Where did the city on a hill go? How do we bring the luster and the shine back? We told the whole world that we were Christian, that we believe in a man from Galilee, a brown man who was an unarmed brown man whom the Roman establishment killed and crucified because of his belief that all men are created equal. We say that we line up with that ideology. But if we do, how are we killing brown people and black people who look like that unarmed man from Galilee, that unarmed brown man from Galilee? Level the playing field, anybody? How is it that black athletes, young black athletes, are not being given the same privilege and the same opportunities that young white athletes get who have less talent? How? How is it that black school districts are always the first to be defunded in budget cuts, in state and city budget cuts and county budget cuts? How is it that programs, that benefit black and brown people are always the ones to be cut first because we just don't like those people. Those people are lazy. Who are you calling lazy? Their ancestors worked and toiled for 18 hours a day. Who are you calling lazy? Get rid of that epitaph on black people. Stop it. It's ridiculous and it's a lie. All of these negative connotations and these negative labels attached to black people are what has contributed to this. They, don't, they lack understanding. They lack education. We can't even go to schools. Well, don't teach them STEM. Don't teach them science, technology, and engineering and math because they won't understand it. But it's good enough for us to entertain you by playing ball, any ball, and by singing and performing. Excuse me? What happens to our intellect that is not appreciated? This is the problem. So the way I see it moving forward, we got to have more of these kinds of conversation. We need change. And we need effective, meaningful change now. And that change has to take place now. There has to be a recognition that the police are militarized and that they disproportionately pull over black people, that they disproportionately lock up black people. That has to be accepted and dealt with and eradicated. We have to accept that county prosecutors disproportionately put away black people and give more time to black people than their white counterparts get. We got to accept that that is the problem. We got to accept that we have a healthcare system that in a pandemic killed more black people because of inequities in the healthcare system where people showed up in emergency rooms and were not cared for and were sent home and told that their complaints were all in their head and then they died. They could have lived, but they were killed. 
we've got to accept that. This phony white privilege that you think you have, let me explain where you got that from. Let me tell you in case your ancestors didn't tell you. Let me tell you in case the books you read in college and university campuses across this country didn't tell you. Let me tell you how you got it. They human trafficked a group of black people from west coast of Africa, brought them all the way down over here to the south, spread them out over plantations, put them in fields to work, and beat them within an inch of their lives. They slapped them with a, with a cat and nine tails and made them work for 18 hours in the grueling sun. That's the white privilege that you're enjoying. You still feel good about it? Do you? You still feel good that that's how you got it? Or are you going to forget what I've said and keep it moving? So the next time you see a black man laying in the street with a police officer kneeling over him with his neck on, and he's saying, I can't breathe. Understand the reason he can't breathe is 400 years of systemic slavery. The next time you see a black man in Central Park who is an educated black man, Harvard educated, went to one of the institutions you so revere, but this black man was called on by a white woman who doesn't have his credentials, she's nobody, but her skin is white. So she felt that she could use that white skin to call the police and the police would answer her. That's what we need to stop. The undue profiling of black people, irrespective of what we are and what we do, irrespective of who we are, just because my skin is black, I am going to be mistreated just by showing up. The inequities in the system. That's what needs to stop. Now, when we get to the place where white leaders, white mayors, white public policy, right here in town, in every city, forget about at the national level. Let's start right here, because if we reform it here at the local level, it's going to change nationally. So let us right here in the city, in the county, in the state, get together and start talking and start changing now. There are policies that you can change right now by writing an executive order. It changes everything. The governor of Michigan, take some pages out of her book. She writes an executive order and that's it. She didn't have to go to the legislator. She didn't have to go. She invited them in just as a matter of democracy, as a matter of form. But she wrote an executive order and it changed stuff. Let's get to the place where we use the power that the God-given power, the electoral power that the people have who are elected in office, let's use that power to make systemic, meaningful change. Let's start requiring cooperations. If you're going to hire one white person, you need to hire a black person, you need to hire an Asian person, you need to hire an Hispanic person. Let's level the darned playing field and level the damn playing field and get the stuff done. Let's get shit done. We don't have to wait for the 2020 election. We don't have to wait for 2022. We don't have to wait for next year. We can do this now, starting right here, right now. Every mayor has the power to write an executive order that demilitarizes the police and requires the police to use less force to arrest people when they're arresting people and pulling people over. Start an executive order that stops the undue profiling of black people while we're working, while we're driving, while we're shopping. Start an executive order right where it is right now. We can end it now if we want to. We can write an executive order now. Forget about waiting 
for the next president. Forget about waiting for the president who is in office. We can do it right here, right now. That's the change we need. Today is Thursday. They're about to have a memorial service for a man who died because he couldn't breathe, a man whose civil rights and human rights were violated on the streets while the rest of us watched and police stood there and the people around could not do anything because the police would have shot them dead in the streets. If someone had not been brave enough to videotape, we would not have seen and known that this kind of injustice takes place over and over again. Now the mayor of Minneapolis has the power in his hands to take into control and demilitarize that and make an executive order that says the use of force is prohibited. If you're going to arrest someone, as the chief of police said yesterday, arrest them. Just walk up to them and arrest them. There is no need for you to put them on the ground and let their lights go out for nine minutes. That is on due force. And that can be stopped by you, Mr. Mayor, and you, Mr. City Council person. Stop it right here, right now. That's the change. Require companies that operate in your jurisdiction to hire more people of color. Start issuing an executive order or else they start paying up city taxes. Start doing it and see the change that is going to happen. We need fundamental, effective, meaningful change, and it starts locally. Then it builds regionally, then it builds nationally. That's the change that we need. Somebody is calling me. Let me answer this. Hello, caller number two. Caller number two. Well, yeah, you know, you're really on a on a roll. But what is it that the people that some of these people want? And we always hear from the group leaders. But you never take individuals who follow the group and ask them separately of the group because the group has a prescribed script that they always use. They have innuendos and ins and outs. And one other thing on this uh, thing with Mr. Floyd, and they raised the level of charges. They were going to have a hard time coming up with a with a guilty on the third degree, less alone the second degree. And let me tell you why. In the state of Minnesota, it requires a unanimous verdict, either guilty or not guilty. That's one. His past records is going to be brought up, and his uh, entertainment participation. Now, here's where that matter. Minnesota has a large Muslim population, and they, they frown on that. You know I mean, look how the women dress. They dress highly conservative. Mm-hmm. And then you got the fact that the procedure that was used is legal in Minneapolis, in Minneapolis Police Department. Now, in some other police department, it's not legal. Mm-hmm. And the uh, final thing is that police have what's called qualified immunity, just mm-hmm. like congressmen and every other thing. Mm-hmm. So this is not going to go go as easy as people say. Now I see where another octopus was done to find out that he had COVID-19. Mm. So here we go. Here we go. Give you something else to talk about. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. But, you know, our caller is right. Uh, the police have qualified immunity. Add that to the list of things that mayors all over the country need to change. Police cannot be immune. It just... It it can be. (laughs) We need to hold people accountable. See, when they first wrote these laws 100 years ago, maybe people lived by the edict 
that if I'm going to hold public office, then I am accountable and I'm going to be responsible to the oath that I, I swear by. People are not like that today. People are different today. They don't care. So today, what worked 100 years ago, it might, it's not working today. So we can't just give people blanket immunity that, uh, well, uh, in the execution of your job, you might do things, and so we're going to protect you from that. That can't be. We need to change that. Add that to the list of things that mayors can change. The mayor right now has the power. The mayor, the city council, and the local commissioners, they have the power right now to start making these changes at this level, and that is going to stop the people who are taking to the streets. The people who are in the streets are college kids, high school kids, and young people. They have the energy and they have the conviction that things must change in order for them to exist. My generation, we, we played it. We said, okay, you said to stop. We stopped moving. We stopped marching. And we went along to get along. It never worked. We end up right smack back in the same place. So our kids, are saying enough is enough. We watched our parents, we watched our grandparents, and it didn't work for them, it's not gonna work for us. That's the truth of the matter. Because they watched, we went along to get along, we didn't complain, we shuffled to and from work, we were underpaid, we were under, forget about being appreciated, we were not paid, period. And we still had to fight systemic racism when we get pulled over, and we had to fight systemic racism on the job. Our children heard us. We sent them to college. Now they're graduating college, and they can't get a job. And when they get a job, they're paid 20% less than the, their white counterparts who probably is not as qualified as they are. That needs to stop. It stops with the mayors. It stops with the board of city commissioners, and it's got to stop. And we're going to have a whole other conversation about the fact that George Floyd had COVID-19. So unfortunately for everybody, who came in contact, and everybody who is out there protesting, only God knows what's going to happen in the next coming weeks. God help us. I am still going to end this by saying God bless America. This is the land I love. This is my country too. I came here. This country offered me hope and justice, and I ran to it and left everything else behind, that everything I would ever need, this country would give it to me. All I had to do was put my shoulder to the wheel and work hard. I wasn't prepared for the systemic racism that I endured. I was not prepared for the injustices that I endured. But I still believed in the promise that all men and women are created equal, and that if I stayed the course, that I would be fine and I would succeed. I still want to believe in that, despite the fact that I see fences around the White House. I still want to believe that I can go to the fence of the White House and look at that. That's my city on a hill. I don't want it obscured from my view. I want to know that it is there and that the man or woman who sleeps in there is watching and protecting all of us. That's what I want to know. And I want that America back. I want the America that recognizes we have come this far. And we have a responsibility to all who live within these borders, to all who have paid the price to be here. We have a responsibility to protect and to provide and to make sure that we level the playing field so all opportunities are distributed equally. Yesterday, my, my daughter went with a group of her friends. They, you know how it is. They went to school together. They went to you know elementary school and high school and college, and now they've graduated and here they are. They're lawyers now. They're about to take the bar. 
they're lawyers now. Some of them have moved on. Some of them are journalists. One of them is, is on Twitter. I'm so proud of him. He went to school with them. He's on Twitter. He, he works for the Huffington Post. He's caught up in all of this. It is so good to see them. When I see them, all I want to do is hug them and say, oh, my God, look at the next generation. I'm so proud of you. So proud that this is their country and they're willing, they're stepping up to the plate and they're saying, this has got to change because it didn't change for you and it didn't change for grandma and it didn't change for grandpa, but it's going to, it has to change now. That's the change we want. So mayors all over the country, you got your marching orders, go change your use of force policies and start requiring the companies that operate in your jurisdiction to hire, change their hiring practices and corporate America. You don't get away from this either. Entertainment, the entertainment industry, all of Hollywood, y'all need to start hiring people of color more. I want to see more actors who are making $20 million per cut. White girls are the only one who act, brother. Black girls act too. Hispanic girls act. Asian girls act. Level the bloody playing field, and we all eat a piece of the pie. My name is Harriet Kamek. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's keep on praying for our country. Pray for the protesters. They have a right to be there. Let us stand together and recognize as the kids are doing, the children who are marching, our young people are marching. Let us recognize what they're saying. All need to come together to eradicate injustice in every form. Let us do this, America. We can. That's the promise. Let's do this. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time this morning. Go to my website, HarrietKemick.com. Buy my book, Through the Fire. It's available on Amazon.com. We're sending it to domestic violence shelters across the country to help victims of violence. I'm one of them, and this is how I got help. I came here, and they helped me, the Violence Against Women's Act. Ironically, it was authored by a man named Joe Biden. Isn't that the craziest thing? in an election year like this. Thank you so much, everybody. Be blessed. Enjoy your day. Be blessed, everybody. (laughs) Thank you so much. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.